our beloved Hard AF Seltzer is now in Alabama and Georgia. Let's start with Alabama, shall we? Star Mart 12 in Tuscaloosa. Jasper Package Store down there in Jasper. Corks and Tops in Tuscaloosa. Jet Pep Express in Tuscaloosa. M&D Grocery in Tuscaloosa. Southern Package in Florence down there. Chalkville Shell in Birmingham. Highway 11 Food Mart in Birmingham. The Moody Conoco down there in Moody. The Onita Quick Stop in Onita, Alabama. Never been there, but I need to go there. Tiger Spirits Liquor right there on campus in Auburn. Trustville Raceway down there in Trustville. Watermelon Shell in North Point down there. Those are the first 10 stores in Alabama. Georgia's up next. You know it's been on my mind. Georgia. M&M Package down there in Hiram, Georgia. Uh, One Stop Package down in Savannah. Beverage Superstore of Grayson in Atlanta. Max Beverage Inc. in Cumming down there. Let's go. That's in my neck of the woods. Uh, Liquor World down there in Hinesville uh, in Savannah. Doraville Liquor Store down there in Atlanta. Jessup Smoking Tobacco Outlet in Savannah. Strong Water in Atlanta. Turtle Creek Wine and Spirits in Atlanta. And Walker Chancellor Enterprises, Inc. down in Brunswick, Georgia. Let's go. Support us and support the show by going out and buying a 12-pack of Hard AF Seltzer today. Get rocked on some 8% seltzers. What is up? Welcome back to Tomahawked. I am your host, Rob Fox, joined as always by Dan Holloway. The All-Star break is over. We're back in the swing of things, six games and counting into the second half of the season. But That's not what I'm here to talk about today, Dan. Oh, no? No, I'm here to talk about the greatest love song ever written. Um, huh. Is it Careless Whisper? What is the... An, or, or is it the Tomahawk Chop? Uh, the Tomahawk Chop makes me feel love. Yeah. But this is a new... It's a new song. Um, and I wanted to... I, we can't play it, obviously, because of YouTube, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to sample you the lyrics. Now, this is um, probably the most beautiful song I've ever heard. Okay. Uh, it's, it's by Morgan Wallen. Oh, boy. And it's entitled 98 Braves. Um, okay. I mean, they, they lost. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he references that. Uh, Why not the 95? I guess he's too young for 95. Yeah, Morgan Wallen. He's 26, old, right? He's 26. Is that I how old he's? I think so. 30. He's 30. Oh, shit. So he's, he's been around. He was at least a, uh, he, he was, was a two years year old. old. So but he, 98 you know, Braves might be the first one he remembered. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I, I want to go through these lyrics. They're. Pretty touching. Um, just some of them. We'll go through the whole thing. But this is 98 Braves by, by Morgan Wong. I remember sitting at that house, living room couch, thinking, no way them boys wouldn't win. Between them big three pitchers, Andrew and Chipper, it was going to be hard to keep up with the Joneses. But as fate would have it, that Atlanta magic got put out by them damn Padres. I guess destiny ain't always... Meant to be kind of like you and me that day. Wow. Um, and then I'll just skip ahead a little bit. Uh, yeah, you win some, you lose some. It ain't always home runs. And that's just the way life plays. If we were a team and love was a game, we'd be the 98 Braves. Yeah. Um, so the 98, I mean, there should be more about choking. <laughs> because it was like pre-steroid Steve Finley. Uh, Greg Vaughn had 50 home runs for the Padres He was year. juiced pretty good that yeah, year. Yeah, and Caminiti was juiced as well. <laughs> Caminiti um, got killed by his juice. Yeah, but it's like... Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown was the biggest part of sure, that. Sure, yeah, me, I but Kevin... I mean, and uh, Ashby was good that year, too. But we, there's no way we should have lost that series. No. I mean, we, sh- we should have then gone and gotten power-fucked by the Yankees. Uh, yeah, they were going to beat anybody anyways, but I don't know that we would have been swept. Because right. that's what happened to Although we, the... Uh, we did get swept the very next year by that essentially that same Yankees team. Yeah, it's true. So maybe... Um, 
Yeah, too bad, right? Yeah. I, that, that's a bit of a stretch for me. <laughs> some some lost or unrequited love, and it's, it's just about like, the Braves. I mean, I understand like, growing up in the 90s and being a Braves fan wasn't the easiest thing, but... Yeah. Uh, I, another great line from the song, but just like that season, uh, but just like that season, girl, you and me didn't end with a ring on a hand. Okay. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? They didn't get engaged and the Braves didn't get a ring themselves. I think this is, I made love to my wife with this on repeat for about five hours last night. I don't, I don't believe that you're capable of that. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. Then this song started playing. Yeah, fair enough. It is nice to have a little uh, external motivation, I guess. Yeah. And she just, uh, we're, the marriage isn't in a great place this morning, but it, it, it was a good night last night. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, you take it one day at a time, right? Yeah. Just like a season. Yeah. Just like those 98 Braves did. But I thought, I figured I was positive you hadn't heard that song. I've not, and I'm glad. And I, and I, <laughs> There's, there's the only chance that I would hear it is if you play it somewhere or somebody does it to troll me because we'll, I don't, I don't really seek out uh, Morgan Wallen. We'll have Joel play the song uh, over the speakers in the studio after the after the episode's over. But yeah, I heard that on. Actually, I didn't even hear that on the radio. Barstool Baseball did a thing on it. Like Morgan Wallen's got a new song about the '98 Braves called '98 Braves. And I was like, I gotta listen to this fucking thing immediately. Yeah, I I just don't know uh, what's going on anymore. <laughs> In life, it's a bit of a stretch of a of a metaphor or whatever you want to call it. I guess a simile because he uses the word like. Uh, anyway, on to the real news. Uh, arguably, maybe the biggest news of the Braves season. Um, the Braves are now publicly traded. Yeah, that's weird. Um, so Liberty Media is a publicly traded company. They were the parent company of the Atlanta Braves for a while. And I think in uh, preparation for a sale, yeah, they've split the Braves off as a separate public company, almost like a SPAC deal. Um, and I guess you can own part of the Braves now. I we need to become minority owners of the Braves. I'll pro- I'll look into it later. Uh, what what are they trading at? Do you know what the? Yeah, so the symbol is uh, B A T R A. Um, so yeah, that's what that is. Uh, if you want to look it up. They are trading currently at forty three dollars and sixty five cents. Uh, let's see, when did they become? Uh, over the last month, I'll just say they they are up over the last month, a six percent, almost seven percent, up two bucks. Yeah, but they are publicly traded <laughs> right now. What what do you think this means for the team? Anything? Uh, it means that somebody can come in. Well, what what it means is the team is going to be governed by a board and not a single owner. Okay, uh, which is what was the case with Liberty Media. Um, probably makes it somewhat more depending on who buys it uh, or who buys a majority uh, uh, of the company and how they constitute the board will depend on how easy or hard it is to get things done. Right, right? Um, <clears throat> now. The good news is that you can do some uh, you can do dividends at the end of the year. So now not the Braves aren't just making money on ticket sales and merchandise and concessions and TV rights and all that stuff. They're also going to be making money on their stock potentially, right? Yes. And the the deal that Liberty Media has had since they purchased the Braves uh, with their GM is and, and president is that you can spend however much money you bring in, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, they do that. Like, you could you could literally spend every single dime that comes in because no one cares about, you know, banking on annual revenue. They're just going to keep the team for 15 or 20 years and sell it and make a 10x profit. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Do you think this increases the chance? By the way, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what this means, but the, the market cap for Batra is $27 billion. <sighs> Um, does that include all of Liberty Media? One, no, Batra is, is split off from... Yeah, I know, but sometimes in a SPAC um, like this, because it still says Liberty Media, Liberty Braves, ORD, I think sometimes in a SPAC, I have to ask somebody. Well, so my my, quite, like my thought is, too, is are they going to own the Braves and also the battery? Uh, that I don't know. I don't know who, who owns the battery. I think Liberty kind of does. 
I, like I that's what I'm wondering is if it's not just the team but the sort of uh, immediate real estate around the team. Braves Development Company owns it. So probably um, the this is that's probably part of the stock, right? Uh, let's see. Yeah, Liberty Media owns it. So I don't know if they're going to maintain the property or have that be part of the Braves package as well. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know why you would <clears throat> sell that property already. Uh, not sell it, but you I mean you would make it part of the team. You would make it part of Batra, not part of uh, uh, whatever. What's Liberty Media? It's uh, LSXMA, I think. Is uh, there is there primary? Um. Uh, yes. And they're they're trading at uh, thirty three dollars a share right now. They don't have a market cap listed. But yeah, um, do you think so? One thing I was wondering if and like so part of this is what they, the stock goes up makes the team more profitable. Yeah, I mean like, that's that's certainly part of it. Um, you know, and you can do as a team or as a or not more profitable. I'm sorry, more valuable. Valuable, yeah. As a as a team, well, I mean it it also makes it. Um, quite a bit easier, technically speaking, for somebody to come in and buy up the majority. Like if Bezos is trying to buy a sports team and he hasn't been able to find one right. that's actually for sale. I mean, look, sports teams that are actually valuable don't come up for sale very frequently. And when they do, usually it's like uh, maybe a couple of former athletes plus a couple of rich dicks that get together and buy something like 51 to 60 percent of it they don't typically buy the whole thing so that part's already kind of common but bezos could come bezos could easily buy you know 51 percent of this company right now in cash if he wanted to yeah which i hope he doesn't uh i don't Uh, really want bezos as an owner Um, yeah i mean i guess i i don't i'm not a huge fan of the dude but having him be your owner it's like having draymond green on your team you know (laughs) it's like he's our cunt you know yeah yeah uh, and I, I don't think Bezos the, – the best thing that could happen is if <clears throat> Bezos buys the Braves and then Elon Musk buys a team and they get into some kind of war <laughs> and Bezos just spends like $500 million a year on salary. That would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's probably not going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I'm definitely going to buy some stock, though, just – um, I, I still have a share of the Packers from back in the day when I lived in Wisconsin. Oh, just, really? It's just like a novelty thing. I don't really give a shit. But. Right. Um what uh you know another billionaire that has been looking for a baseball team for a while is cubes yeah i mean i i honestly i think cubes is a bigger piece of shit than than bezos really yeah he's just he's he's a fucking dumb hot take machine on twitter that's all he does is say stupid shit on twitter all the time he's an absolute ass clown i mean he does he, he, he made his money like a lot of it during the dot com bubble back in the day yeah and it's just like he reminds me of uh, and I think they did this on purpose. Remember the dude from Silicon Valley? Oh, I was about to say, he's that character, the guy with the beard. Internet radio. Yep. Yep. Radio, but on the internet. Yeah. He, that's who, that's, yeah, Russ, Russ Hammond, yeah. That's who uh, Bezos, or not Bezos, that's who uh, Mark Cuban reminds me of. So I'm just like, eh, come on, man. <laughs> I don't, you're a fucking clown. Anyways, we're not here to talk about fucking Mark Cuban. No. Uh, so one thing I was going to ask, though, too, is would this compel... To drive this, would would the Braves or Liberty be compelled? Now, obviously, like maybe the president of the Braves, and certainly not Anthopolis. Um, they don't care about the stock price; they care about the team winning. But would Liberty be compelled? Uh, the board be compelled to okay a move that might drive up the stock? Just say what you want to fucking say. W- would this make something like Shohei Otani more likely? Okay. So right now the Braves organization valuation is two point six billion dollars, right? Yeah. Um, if they sign Shohei Otani to let's say like a ten year deal, the valuation would immediately go up to about four billion. You would like immediately, think it not would... not it, it's that that's an absolute fact. It would go up to a four billion immediately because you're adding. I mean, if you just think about CPM on TV broadcasts and stuff like that, you're adding ten to fifteen million viewers for every single game. Yeah. And and that's let's say the broadcasting rights you only have half of the season 81 that at a minimum <clears throat> at a minimum that's 80 times 10 that's 800 million new eyeballs per year right yeah and i don't want to like I, I can do the math for you really quickly hang on um got a little formula for this do 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 let's see 
I mean, Dude, the two yeah. things that would drive it up is that and winning a World Series. So the other assumption would be even if they don't do that, maybe go for a little broke, try to win a World mm. try to make a sale off a World Series win as opposed to just being a good team. Yeah. But even the, what's cra- what's really fucking insane is that I, signing Otani would be more valuable than winning a World Series, probably to that franchise's valuation. Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, if you take like standard TV CPMS, you're looking at uh, just just from those extra viewers at the game, that's forty million in revenue a year, give or take. Yeah, like forty just just free money, forty million. Right. And your um, baseball clubs usually sell for uh, a pretty decent markup on EBITDA right so mm-hmm. it's like uh you're looking at adding that it's probably a 10 to 10 and a half x based on the growth of professional sports franchises you're, at, you're talking about immediately just from tv rights adding 400 million dollars in value to the team yeah so yeah i think uh it would be a smart move i mean it's and and by the way like it, you double the sale price at a cost of half a billion mm-hmm. right so you add a billion to two two billion for the cost of half a billion. Yeah. Immediate ROI. Pretty much, yeah. And not not uh withstanding the how much it's going to compound over the next decade. Right. So yeah. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that again, like I said earlier with the battery. I mean, the battery's probably the most successful sports entertainment district in the country. I haven't been yet. I mean, Texas Live is pretty good, but it's it's limited. There's only like five stores in there. There's yeah. a good barbecue place. You can get drinks and stuff, but it's not big. The battery is pretty spread out. I mean, it, the only one... The battery's like the domain here yeah, in Austin, yeah. kind of, right? I mean, like, it's pretty big, and it's... I mean, because I've been to similar ones, like Texas Live and... St. Louis is like that now, too, but it's, it's, it's about a, a quarter to a third of the size of the battery. It's basically just a small mall, Yeah, Ballpark Villages, yeah. and it does well, but it's it is... It's dope, yeah. There's, like, four good restaurants, and, and but the, it, it's not enough... Like they, you need bigger, they they need to make separate bars or something right. there because the bar restaurant where it's like, I don't, I don't know, some ale house of some sort and there's enough room for 40 people at the bar in the front and then they have the regular restaurant, but there's 600 people in the fucking front of that bar. <laughs> right, right. That's not fun for anybody. No. I mean, and, and there's a couple other ones too, but um, it seems to me like the batteries has been by far been the most successful mm-hmm. one and it's only getting more popular, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Um, and I think more people in Atlanta might be kind of just moving up that way in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting situation, but I, I, the, my, one of my first thoughts of seeing them publicly traded is, you know, what would drive up the stock? Like the two things that would drive up the stock the most are signing Otani and obviously B is kind of related to a, but you don't need necessarily a to do B. And that is doing everything you can to win a world series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, that certainly. Certainly, that would help, I, but I don't know if you need to. Uh, I don't know if you need to go after Otani right now. No, necessarily. I'm not convinced he's going to get traded. I, 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 it's just such a complicated situation. I don't. It doesn't feel like he is. Like it feels like that's gonna. And there's a couple reasons why. One, obviously, um, the Angels don't want to look like pieces of shit. Which they're going to anyway, but mm-hmm. might, might as well just push that off, right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I, mean? I guess I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, if, if you're planning on keeping the current general manager, um, why would you? Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, getting Otani in the first place uh, was a good deal, I guess. Um, certainly made the, made the team money. Yeah. The owner can't be, owners can't be mad about that. Well, well, yeah, but I don't know if Artem Moreno, he's like still the owner, but I think he's like dead only so far. Right. Yeah. Like they've only, uh, he, Otani has made the money so far, but the valuation of the club itself is going to go down precipitously as soon as he leaves. Yeah. And he is leaving. Um, and you're talking about like, how long has this guy been around? He just took over in 2020. Uh, he was with the Braves before, uh, Manasian. <clears throat> um, now that's you, interesting. Yeah, if you want to keep him around, it is he. He was the assistant GM with for the Braves from 2017 to 2020. That um, was under the Anthopolis regime. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he also worked with Anthopolis in Toronto when 
uh, when he when, was there with, when, when he built those good Toronto teams. Yeah, yeah. so he was uh, he was the lead scout in Toronto during that time. That's interesting. Yeah, um, but he's got a four year deal that ends after next season. Um, and to be honest, I mean, some of the stuff that's happened under his regime is like. Uh, not great. The Rendon signing was bad. Yeah. But, I mean, there was no indication that Rendon is going to be hurt for two years either. So I'm not sure how much of that is necessarily his fault. But still, you got to eat it. I, I honestly think um, that you probably... Th- this is the, it's a tough choice for the Angels, but I think you got to fucking fire this dude. Like you got to let him take the hit for trading Otani and then fire him. Yeah, because you can't. You're not gonna be able to keep him around yeah. after that. I mean, yeah, certainly with Rendon. I mean, they signed him when he was 29, so I guess that's maybe a little. But he was putting up just god tier numbers for a while. Yeah, you know what I mean, like just. And there was no, um, there was no real indication that he was gonna have a drop off like that. So. I don't think you can really blame him for that. No, and he was coming off a career year, too. Very classic mm-hmm. contract year situation. Um, but, yeah, I just thought, you know, it, it seems like it, the Braves, every team has motivation to win. Every team has motivation to or should have motivation to win and to, you know, make their fans happy. But it seems like there's just even a little extra for the Braves this year. There's a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, the the – Angels general manager being closely related to the Braves organization um, and to specifically to Anthopolis. So Anthopolis brought him over from Toronto to Atlanta when Anthopolis was an assistant. And then John Capella, John Coppolella, however you say his stupid name, um, when he left, Anthopolis well, was, took when over. When he got banned from baseball. Yeah. Uh, 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 Anthopolis took over and he actually promoted uh, Manasian to the. Uh, to VP of baseball operations. So they've been together off and on since 20, uh, 2009, basically. Okay. It's a pretty long relationship. Yeah. Interesting. And I'm sure, you know, wouldn't that guy might, uh, if he gets fired from the angels, have a job waiting for him, mm. you know, back home, back with his buddy. Yeah. I mean that, and that's a good place to rehabilitate a little while. I mean, and you've got a pretty good excuse. Like, look, they, yeah, Artie uh, Moreno is known as one of the worst owners yeah, in yeah. baseball. Like, they they wouldn't give me the tools I needed to go compete. They just wanted me to get a couple of dudes to put fans in the seats, but they didn't actually want to fucking compete. Right. That's that's kind of what I get from the Angels since the early two thousands. To be honest, so yeah, yeah, that's that's been their vibe across GMs and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and that goes into our next uh, topic here, real quick. Um, Adding Otani, for example, or someone else, would be a boost to the rotation that I'm starting to think we really need. I, I kind of think for a while I was like, I think the rotation's good. I think it's just the bullpen, but I, I just, I, I feel antsy because this is a this year like last year uh, is a year where it's like, dude, this is World Series is on the table, championships mm-hmm. on the table. You can't just walk away from that. Um. So I, basically in the last like two weeks, I'm kind of wondering, like, where, where are we with this rotation? Yeah. Um, the number one concern right now is, look, we both love Bryce Elder. I'm not worried that Bryce Elder is suddenly not worthy of being in the rotation. But as we've always said, he's a pitcher. He's a gamer, right? Mm-hmm. His, his peripherals don't match his outcomes because his outcomes tend to be better than the peripherals. Yeah. Um, however, you know, inevitability kind of comes calling. You can you can only get lucky for so long, um, and this is not to say his luck's run out for the rest of the season. But you are going to have these swings with him. I think mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's necessarily Tom Glavin, where you can do it for your entire career. Uh, Elder's last two games, he's given up twelve runs and in six innings pitched. His once lead league leading ERA uh, has jumped a full run mm-hmm. to three thirty. Um, and like I said, his peripherals, I mean, they're. His his expected fielding independent pitching, his expected ERA, and his fielding independent pitching all over four, mm-hmm. and they've really been that way: high threes, low fours the entire season. Um, I love Bryce Elder, and he's really young. 
and I expect him, he's a gamer, I expect him to be able to, to sort of work through it, but I just, I don't know how comfortable I am with that being one of your four, maybe? Well, I, I mean, during the regular season, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I don't know about... Um, I don't know about a guy like, you know, that's, by the way, what makes what Maddox and Glavin were able to do so incredible because um, they were able to string together like over a decade each, about 13 year runs each of having this type of stuff that Elder has. And, you know, if you don't have your good stuff on a, if, if a guy like Elder doesn't have his good stuff and what I, his good stuff happens to be his command, the mm -hmm. strike zone keeping the, like making sure the change up doesn't float up into the the waste area cuz yeah. that's been happening pretty regularly lately and that's a that's a fucking batting practice fastball um <clears throat> you know it's if you don't have that command that day it's hard to win until you figure out how to win without it some people can do it and some people can't um you know I'll I'll say from Maddox's perspective he never didn't have command. I don't remember ever seeing a game where he didn't have command. Certainly not with the Braves, yeah. right? I mean... Yeah, early in his career with the Cubs, the first year, the second year he got quite a bit better, but the first year was rough. I think he had like a five-and-a-half ERA or some shit. Yep. Um, and Glavin's the same way. Glavin's first four years in the league, he came up with the Braves in 87, started nine games, and then so 88 is, was his first full mm. year, right? Uh, so I'll throw out 87, fuck it. But 88, and he's very similar to Elder on on that path, too, by the way. He's, he came up at age 22, mm -hmm. 1988, 456 ERA that year, uh, did have a 368 ERA in, in 89, and then 90 was a 428 ERA again, and then 91, he won the Cy Young 255 ERA, and obviously the rest is history from there. Um, but his peripherals were still much higher than the than the yeah. outcomes almost every year. Um <clears throat> The difference with Glavin, though, he is the most disciplined pitcher that I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, three and two, rough situation. Uh, you're still getting that fucking two-seamer outside, or you're getting a change-up outside, and it's going to be off the plate. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. I, you know, it, it, he always felt, yeah, I mean, he, he was the most disciplined. It always felt like he, more, way more than Maddox or Smoltz, was walking a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Certainly more than Smoltz, because Smoltz had the stuff. Yeah. Um, it always felt like Glavin was this, this tightrope act, and it was just Im impressive to see, to be honest. Like, every fucking day. It's like, how does he keep doing this? Um, and I think that's kind of where Elder's going to live, way more than in the Maddox situation. Like, I think he's much more of a Glavin in terms of, like, he's got to keep it tight. He's yeah, but you got to commit to that, right? Yep. Like you got to be okay walking three dudes in a game and just know that you can throw that ground ball and get out of it. Yes. Um, and I don't know that he's got that confidence yet. He's definitely got the capability. We've seen him be able to pitch his way out of jams and uh, we've seen him pitch, not necessarily in any big moments yet, but we've definitely seen him pitch in some tough spots and to get some good teams and be successful. It's just a matter of, um, fully committing and accepting whatever the outcome is. I mean, that that was that's the thing that Tom Glavin was the best at of any person I've ever seen in Major League Baseball. Never gave in. Yeah. He was you know what what's the the quote you always say about Smoltz with his he's mm -hmm. like I I don't care if the guy crushes fastball yeah. if my best pitch is a fastball that yeah. day I'm throwing the fastball yeah. and that was Glavin he was like I he was just like I don't care what the batter's doing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing my plan. Yeah. And it will work eventually most of the time. Yeah. And I think Elder's going to have to to get to that place. And again, what, I mean, what is how old is Bryce Elder? He's 22, right? 24. Mm. But he just came up last year. So he's on the second year, same situation. Um, just a little bit older. But I think, yeah, I think that's what we're looking at there. The, oh, I guess the only question really is, and he was looking that way for a while. And it's just two games. He could easily rip off another five or six ridiculous starts mm. and, and, and look great again. And it's not like I need a pitcher to have their ERA under three to be a, in the rotation in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, which brings us to our next guy, Spencer Strider, who is, as we've said many times before, like the complete inverse of Bryce Elder. Yeah. Um, although, yeah. although he does, he, I think he is, um, I think he does have a good mind for pitching. Yeah, 100%. But I, it's like... He's not just some idiot hucking... Yeah, yeah. Fucking rockets up no, there. No, but but it's like uh when you have 
the rocket, you fucking use the rocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, and right. it's it's easy to think yourself out of success sometimes mm-hmm. um, when you have talent like that, but you're also trying to make stuff happen. So the, the thing that fucks Spencer Strider the most is that he doesn't his his high fastball is not high enough. That's the mistake that he typically makes. He he with two strikes, he's given up like five two strike home runs this year. Yeah. Um, and for a guy that throws ninety nine miles per hour with a with a fucking slider, that that should be impossible, right? right. You should never give up a two two out uh, home run. So, but that's been almost every one of them. I think he had one that was a hanging slider that backed up a little bit, like right up over the plate. Uh, and you know that's going to happen sometimes. The slider is unpredictable, but <clears throat> um, I've seen. The two of the ones that he gave up in his last bad start um, against the White Sox, I think he gave up five runs in that game. Still struck out ten people, but um, the strikeouts are going to be always yeah. going to be there. It but doesn't the, matter how many runs he gives. But up. the two home runs he gave up were both like one was one and two, and one was zero oh and two. And he gave up two other two strike hits in that game as well. Or no, three other. I think he gave up five two strike hits in that one game. Yeah. Um, both home runs were just like fastballs that if they were an inch and a half to two inches higher would have been pop-ups or strikeouts. Yeah. And you just can't miss. You can't miss. Um, if you're going to miss, miss high, right? Right, right, right. So it's like that's something he's still learning and getting a feel for. And that is his what it is. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's th- these guys are super young. So, you know, th- there's only been a couple of pitchers that have been that have been this kind of dominant when I'm talking about this kind of pitcher, I'm talking about like Spencer Strider, not Elder necessarily, but there have only been a couple of pitchers in all of Major League history this young who've been this dominant um, and but didn't make mistakes like Strider does. One of them was Doc Gooden. Yes. Um, uh, 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 what's his name? From the Mets, Tom. Seaver. Tom Seaver was one, so I guess both from the Mets. Yeah. Um, but those are the only two. Maybe Valenzuela, but he 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 was more of a funky delivery guy. Yeah, but yeah, those are the only two I can remember. Even Nolan Ryan had a lot of trouble. I mean, Nolan Ryan out. got his only ring in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it hasn't or happened. The <laughs> it hasn't happened very much. And to be honest, pitchers who are this good, this young, who make mistakes from time to time, like Strider does, uh, are extremely rare as well. Uh, he's got a so he's got a 3.78 ERA right now, which is high, but his WHIP is only 109. Yeah. So he's just. Um, and you know what's interesting about that was when I was looking into these numbers. What's interesting with that WHIP? So the WHIP's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, he must. He must. Without looking, I was like, well, he must still just be giving up walks or something. He's not. He's not really walking that many people. It's like every game's like two one zero something mm-hmm. like that. So it's a very acceptable number of walks. He's giving up a ton of hits. Well, he gives up a lot of uh, uh, punch and Judy singles because he throws the ball so hard. And if you miss, if you throw the ball in and don't get it in enough, major league hitters are strong enough to fight that thing off into the outfield. Yeah, and that's what happened. He that that's <clears throat> that happens to him a lot. And I think it's um, you know part of the development is being able to like there's stages, right? So you come up, and most dudes have one plus pitch and then one good one other good pitch he's got two pretty plus pitches mm-hmm. and the, his plus is a fucking 99 mile per hour fastball um and then the next stage in your evolution is developing a third pitch which I, i've seen him i watched him get a strikeout on the changeup yesterday yeah it was yeah it was nice yeah so that that's the next step and then but but you're most guys have a proclivity to save that third pitch until the third time through the order. Right. Um, but then the next stage in your evolution as a, as a pitcher, not a thrower, is to uh, you know, know the hitters, pick up little things, and you know, having good signal callers like, um, uh, uh, like we have. Our catchers are really good at calling games. Um, that's super helpful as well. But the next stage is to keep them completely off guard the entire time. Yeah. And then obviously you want to work on your command. I, I to be honest, even without the changeup, if Strider's fastball is right at the top of the zone, like I mean, like right below the nips. Yep. If it's right at the top of the zone, you can't fucking hit that. No. Um, even at ninety seven, ninety six. Yeah. Which, and it makes he does dial it back sometimes. Yeah, and it but it, and it also makes your slider unhittable at that point because it comes out of that same arm slot and starts like a good slider is going to start uh, right around the belt. 
um, right down the middle of the plate, right? right. And it's going to break. I think his breaks, what, 26 inches or something like that. So it's going to break right off the plate about six inches. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's what you're looking for. But he's, I, I think, um, Stride is the kind of guy that's going to give up some home runs until he figures that out. Mm-hmm. And well, and even just the hits in general, I mean, you know, a blue pit is a little, even a blue pit is more destructive than a walk, and a walk mm. is a bitch. So my thing, my, my concern, and look, we're picking nits to an extent here because, like, if we go in, if we go into the playoffs and our rotation is Freed, Morton, Strider, Elder in some order, um, you know, so be it. I still think we're better off than anybody else. Yeah, it's just with Strider and Elder. Look, Freed is Freed and Morton is Morton. Mm. I'm not going to be concerned about either either of them. Uh, but it feels to me with Strider and Elder that there is still just a level of inconsistency there, which you certainly don't want on back to back nights in an LDS or LCS, right? Yeah. Uh, with Strider, one, one, the other thing that, that uh, stuck out to me, aside from the 48 hits in his last 47 innings pitched, is um, he's given up four or more runs in seven of his 20 starts, which is not quite what you want. So it is kind of a, a situation with where Elder uh, has perifer- sort of red flag peripherals. Mm. Uh, Strider has... I mean, what, 40% of his games he gives up? I, I don't care how good our offense is. Like, you want your pitcher th- three runs and under. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously preferable. <clears throat> um, and he's, uh, you know, he's having a lot of issues um, from the stretch. I think that, again, that's that's part of growing up as a hitter. But with no runners on, his OPS against is 604 and with – uh, with runners on, it's 725, so it jumps over 100 points. Um, so with runners on, the hitter against Strider becomes like fairly competent. Uh, yeah, I mean, 725 OPS against is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, not not great or anything. You're not getting dogged, but it's quite a bit better. And he's, uh, you know, I think um, the strikeout rate also goes down quite a bit. So I don't know if it's... Is um, he trying to pitch to contact when there's a runner on? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So he's got... Uh, in so a, is he just... Do you think, does that strike you as like not committing to what he's good at? Not doing the Smoltz thing, right? It's, it's not a good approach for sure. You should be... like With runners on, you should be trying to get strikeouts, I think. Especially him. Um, yeah. It's one thing if, you know, it's like a, a, a pitch to contact guy like Soroka, right? Mm. Like I want Soroka to do his ground ball thing with a guy on on first uh, or even second maybe uh depending on the amount of outs but strider like do do what you do man yeah um yeah he's uh but again you're gonna have game when you're when you're he has a tendency again to be wild in the strike zone and when you're like that you're gonna it's charlie morton does the same thing you're gonna give up home runs Mm -hmm. he's hope that they're fucking not three run homers which they have been lately yeah so (laughs) which yeah sucks um, so yeah, I mean, do you, would you like to see them grab another starter? I think my dream situation at this point, well, obviously Otani would just be insane, but my, I sort of like, if I want to like temper my dreams, like I do in real life all the time, um, the Snell hater trade would be, mm-hmm. if we could pull that off would be, I think my ideal, that's like the, that's where my dreams meet reality, I guess you could say. Yeah. Otani, I can't invest any, Yeah, like, that, just, if I it mean, happens, it happens. There's no point in thinking about that right now. Um, I, I don't know if uh, the Padres are going to sell. I mean, to be honest, it, it's like year after year, uh, uh, we'll get them next year with them. Right. Um, last year, well, they, they had a pretty good run. Um, you know, and then... Uh, the, la- big- the last two years, they had pretty good runs. And in then, the second half, yeah, right? In the second half, and then they lose Tatis last year. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to power through, but we'll see what happens next year when he's back. And he's back, and he's having a great year, you know? Yeah. Um, but the team's not. And I don't know what, like, I, I honestly don't know why they're losing so badly. I know the pitching is is iffy sometimes. But Soto's brought his OPS up to 900. Um, Cronenworth is having a shit year. They're going to have to replace him at some point. Yeah. But, you know, and Machado's having a pretty down year as well. 772 OPS. Bogarts is only at a 743. It's like you've got some 
really expensive long-term contracts on this team, two of them in the middle of your lineup that aren't performing right now. So, you know, do you, do you hope that that's a blip and that next year they come back strong or do you just start selling? Because you never, and basically it's hard to tell in baseball, to be honest, when the right time to do stuff is. You don't want to be the guy that, trades Manny Machado away and then he comes back and has another MVP season. You know I, mean, I mean, you know, there were a lot of guys saying nobody wanted to trade like Acuna or or like big pieces, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of people after Acuna got hurt in 21 saying just sell sell the sell the parts yeah. that we don't need or that are like expiring like maybe trade like Darno and mm-hmm. and some of the pitchers who or Morton I think was something you know trade Morton like to people who need it that type of thing and just say fuck it, right? And that's I think where the Padres are I don't think they're going to win the World Series, but that's, I think, where the Padres are too, right? Where they're in a little bit of a purgatory. Like, do we lean in and say, no, this roster's too fucking good, we can win? Or do we just say, fuck it? Like, obviously keep the core together because this core can easily turn around and win 100 games next year and just trade off maybe the pieces we don't need for some prospect capital and uh, whatever else. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely a win-now situation. So I I, I don't see them stripping everything out, but... They've got a couple of expiring contracts. Blake Snell is one of them. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes. Snell and Hayter are, bo- are yeah. both. And, I mean, there's nothing more useless to a losing team than a closer. Yeah. Um, you, you could definitely you could definitely get some at least draft capital, if not some major league ready prospects back for Hayter. I mean, he is oh, uh, yeah. He's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is my uh, that's that's kind of where I sit with that, and I think I want to I want a starter as well. Although honestly, like if it's not a dude pitching like Snell, fuck it. I don't want to give up something for um, another Charlie Morton, essentially. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm. I can I can roll with with what we got instead of like giving. It just seems like a unless the prospect is like a literal nobody. Like I certainly don't want to trade. Uh, Dodge, Schuster, Smith, Shaw, or Von Grissom, people like that for a three. Yeah. Um, Unless it's a a three who's on a good contract or something that's useful for a couple of years, then we can talk. But if we're talking like expiring contract, it better fucking be a guy pitching like Blake, Blake Snell right now. And with the pedigree of Blake Snell for that matter as well. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, I could see. Um, I don't know if you if you talk to Blake and he says I'm looking to stay in Atlanta for multi years because I, I think you could get him on a pretty team friendly contract. To be honest, um, may, maybe you peel off one of your starters, maybe you peel off a Von Grissom, um, and I'd be okay with that if he's. But but you know yeah. you got to you also have to keep in mind that um, he's he's. He's had some problems staying healthy for a, for an extended period of time now. Um, had some trouble in 2019, then the COVID year after that. Um, made most of his starts in 21 and about two-thirds of them in 22. And he's made every start so far this year. Yeah. So it's like if he, he – he's on a good track right now. His um, – <laughs> His whip is but he's never decent. Thrown, never thrown more than 180 innings. Yeah, I mean that. That's like that's kind of a oh. that's bothersome for me. Yeah, to be honest, like you want if we're if we're gonna trade a guy like Smith Schauber, who I think is gonna be a, a, an elite Major League Baseball starter, I, I don't know that you do that for a guy that that doesn't get deep into ball games. No, I I think. Uh, I don't think you you do that beyond yeah I, I don't know that Snell's a good long term guy just based on the total lack of innings pitched, mm. um, but I do think he is a good rental bet. Like so again, but that that changes the calculus on who you want to give up. Yeah, right. Um, he's got a pretty good postseason career. Was not great last year, but uh, you know, I think he threw one game in 2019 with the Rays and pitched well and threw uh, a couple games with the Rays in the COVID playoffs and also pitched well. Um, but yeah, kind of got smacked around a little bit last year. Uh, but whatever. He's uh, 
Still a good pitcher, and obviously, and his strikeouts, his strikeout numbers in the in the playoffs have been great every mm. time. Eleven K per nine uh, every time. Uh, but either way, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing to look at for the right deal. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just gonna have to roll with what you got, and it's pretty good, even if it's if you, even if it's just this. And that doesn't even get into Kyle Wright, but I, he's still so far away that I don't really want to, even though he's ahead of schedule. Yeah, he's uh, so Kyle Wright. There have been updates on well, two updates. One on. Uh, freed. He didn't start yesterday because the game was delayed. Was a rain delay. Okay. So I think he's going to start today, and he's going to throw five innings today. And I would imagine uh, probably one or two more starts after that, and then he'll be back on the big league club. Um, so probably first week of August mm-hmm. that you're looking at for him. And <clears throat> um. And then Wright starts throwing bullpens next early next week. So I think when Monday or Tuesday next week he's going to start throwing bullpen sessions. That'll go on for two weeks, ten days, ten to fourteen days, and he'll go down for a rehab assignment in Rome, and probably make three starts. Right, because he was out for what sixty-five or seventy days before he. Oh yeah, before he came back. He only so made one start yeah. in majors, I think, this year. Yeah, so he'll they'll they'll probably he's probably gonna. I, I would be shocked if he makes the postseason roster, to be honest. It at this still point. seems like an absolute long shot at this point. Mm. Completely. I yeah. agree. Um, but yeah, so, I, you know, we'll see. Obviously, let's just, let's just go get Shohei Otani. Um, real quick, before we get to the last thing, we, uh, last two things here. We do have some advertisers. It's mybookie.com. Go to mybookie.com today. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to double your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you put in a grand, they'll give you a free grand. You put in 500, they'll give you 500, so on and so forth. Got a lot of stuff going on. You can live bet the British Open. Uh, Doko Dan and Ross's picks are up for that in the Drinking Bros Sports Facebook group. You can join that as well, by the way. It's free, whatever. We drop our picks in. Um, obviously, you can bet baseball like we do. We like to throw those parlays and stuff like that in there. And, um, you know, college football is only a month-ish away at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, feel free to uh, just get your money in there now and get ready to start spending for week zero. Some fun games in that. And obviously, week one is is fun as hell as well. That's mybookie.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to double your first deposit up to $1,000. Before we get into the last thing on the list, I wanted to ask you real quick. I forgot to put this on there. Uh, Travis Darno sticking around. We were wondering what was going to happen with that just because we have Sean Murphy do a long-term deal. I've, I'm very happy to see him staying, and I would very much like to see his bat in the lineup more regularly. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't want Marcelo Zuna to be on this team. I think even, look, like throw out all of Ozuna's morality and stupidity and everything else, right? I just think that the type of bat Darno is makes the lineup more dynamic mm. than the type of bat Ozuna is. Because, for, quite frankly, we have other Ozuna guys in the yeah. lineup. I, I don't think it's <clears throat> conducive to have both Rosario and Ozuna hitting in the lineup that close to each other. Guys who are very very capable of making it at bat last two pitches every time up. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's um I he's so inconsistent and it's and it, the swings are wild. So it's like April he hit 091, then he hit 297 in May and 309 in uh in May and June, and then so far in July, he's hitting 190. So it's like you can't have big swings like that. you got to be consistent. And Um, and it's just getting Darno out is such a chore. mm. That's the sort of mental exhaustion you want to put on a pitcher. Now I understand there's a certain amount of stress that Ozuna can put on a pitcher as well, which is like, oh, God, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. Yeah. But, But if you make your pitches, you're getting him out. Yep. Uh, like 100% of the time yeah. you can make your pitches. That's not the case with Darno. And Darno last year, you know, um, splitting time with uh, with William Contreras. And he was hurt quite a bit last yeah, year. Yeah, and he, he had some injury problems as well. He only got 396 at-bats, but he had 304 out of the five months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it's because he's a legit hitter. He's not a fucking swinger. And by the way, an absol- absolutely a power threat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's really you're I think you're with between Ozuna and, and Darno, you're more quibbling about um 
the length of the home run? I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he, he's, uh, he's quite a bit better at situational hitting as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's not, and it's not like, what, you're losing speed? on the base paths yeah or anything like that no I, or or i mean it, even if he was fast he's an imbecile so right yeah runs himself into an out quicker i'm yeah. excited because i I, people, I think there were a lot of guys were saying too that darno is kind of one of the main clubhouse leaders mm. um i presumably along with ozzy albies um so it's good to keep him around i i do enjoy that the braves kind of always commit to um that level of uh professionalism yeah. i guess you could say i think that's a huge problem with the padres if you, uh, you want to guess at reasons they're kind of slapped well who's the leader i mean right i guess it would be because bogarts is kind of a quiet dude machado and brand new yeah and brand new machado is is electric sometimes but not really what you would call a clubhouse leader so i don't know who the leader of that team is and it's been a poisonous clubhouse for years because you had fucking dick holes and they're they're gone now but mm. you had guys like air cosmer and luke voigt who were like known douchebags yeah um and then machado's a fucking douchebag too to be honest or at least he seems like it yeah well um, he's the dirtiest player in baseball that's for sure soto is not really he seems like a quiet guy mm. um Obviously, Bogarts, maybe Bogarts will be, but again, he's halfway through his first year. Like, he's not going to yeah. take the fucking podium at the club in the clubhouse. Um, and then I don't know, some of the pitchers, maybe. Is Blake, does Blake Snell strike you like that guy? I, I just don't think that a pitcher should be your team leader. Yeah. Like, you want somebody that's out there on the field every day. And then who are their catchers? Aaron, or not, not Aaron Nola, Austin Nola. Yeah. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of. A lot of leadership there. Um, Gary Sanchez and so Nola's not even. Gary Sanchez is new too. They picked him up yeah. like off waivers, I think, two months ago or something like that. Uh, yeah, so who knows, man? I don't know. But uh, it is nice that they kept him on. There have been some other roster moves. This this dude, Forrest Wall, got called up. He hasn't played in the game yet. I don't know why. I think um, we just need to cover a start. Uh, no, he's a left fielder. So oh, th- this okay. guy, he's um, oh well. Uh, um, uh, Rosario's having hamstring issues. Yeah, yeah, f- certainly. I just don't know why they haven't popped him in there for a start yet. He's been up about a week now, but he's uh, hit in in AAA this year. He was hitting uh, yeah like a seven seventy, I think OPS something like that. Um, but he's fast as fuck. He's he stole in in three hundred six at bats so far this year in AAA. He stole forty five bases. Um, so okay. he's like Ronald Acuna level base stealing capability and uh, walks so much. I, I don't know what that is in the minor leagues when a guy has a high walk rate like this. So I feel like there's even in AAA, just because it's AAA, right? Like it's these guys are still great, but like, man, I bet you could just keep your bat on your shoulder a lot. Probably. I mean, so he's he's. He's walked 50 times. 50 times. His on-base percentage in AAA was 360. Okay. Um, I'm just I'm curious. Uh, 260. Okay. So 100 points on his, on his average. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he, what, if he plays at all, to be honest, because it is now like um, Rosario's back. Day to day, I guess, right? Yeah. Depending on how he feels, but we haven't seen him start yet. I think he, I think Kevin Pillar took a start for him the other day. He did, and um, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if you saw. I mean, Hilliard pitching, playing against. Uh, well, Hilliard's hurt right now. He's on the IL. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, that's an, probably um, another reason this guy's here. Yeah, that's the 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 probably the main reason. But I just don't know why he hasn't gotten into a game. I'm kind of curious to see see him play live to see what he really looks like. But he is a he he's kind of like uh, known as a fast dude. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go. And then we called up, or we haven't called him up yet, but he's on the schedule to start soon. Or I'm sorry, he's he's in the uh, the rotation now. Alan Winans. Yeah. Winans. I don't know how you say it. Uh, first major league start. Been in the minors for a while. Uh, I think they said like six years or something like that. Yeah, he's 27. Um, so far in AAA this year, 7-3, and 281 ERA, one whip. Good. Doesn't strike out a lot of people though, so we'll see when he gets up uh what it looks like against actual major league baseball players. But <clears throat> yeah, he's uh this it'll be interesting to see him pop in. I, I assume they're gonna, you know, 
pop some dudes in, get them starts. I think Soroka's actually going tonight. Um, that's what the schedule says anyway. Oh, sweet. So that'll be fun against Milwaukee. That's a good team for him to play yeah. against probably because they can't score. Aside from uh, our old buddy. Yeah, that's uh, not a great offensive team. No, but they've been doing well lately, although they've been playing the Reds and the the Phillies. Yeah. Who are both kind of struggling right now. I mean, they've let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, they're eight and two in the last ten games, but against the Cubs, Reds, and, and Phillies. So we'll fucking see. I don't know who's starting for them. Freddie Peralta is starting for them tonight. Okay. We usually hit him pretty good. So And then last but not least, uh is Austin Riley back? Um, six games since the All-Star break, 1287 OPS, 226 WRC+, plus, four homers and 12 RBIs in six games. Seems like he's swinging it all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I still see him missing some pitches right down the middle. Yeah. Uh, but he's certainly capitalizing more now than he has been so far this year. He's hitting 300 the last, last week or so, or the last month or so, with eight homers and 21 RBI in the last 30 days. And then I sent you that... that- piece from Fangraphs that I thought was interesting. So that Fangraphs did an article and it was just like uh prime candidates for a second half bounce back. Mm-hmm. Like good hitters who were down and they'll bounce back. It might have been a fantasy baseball article, but it doesn't really matter cuz it's the same same diff. Uh Riley they said the main thing was he's just not swinging at balls in the zone, especially in the middle like he used to, like yeah. he did last year. Um they're like his swing still looks great, pull rate's still good, ground ball rate's still good, sweet spot percentage still good. So they kind of think it's just like he's for whatever reason, uh, just not being aggressive. Mm. And I wonder if that's because of his time because he in the he's in the three hole and feels like he needs to work counts or, or mm. whatever the fuck. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I he his the three hole is I've said this a bunch of times before. You can look the data up yourself. That's the worst position in the lineup for him. Historically, that, historically his numbers, yeah. And so one thing I'll just say it's real quick because I'm curious. His K percentage since the All-Star break is 6% higher. So I wonder if that is a sign of more aggression. Yeah, I mean, he should be more aggressive. I mean, that's the if there's two outs or something and, and runners in scoring position, maybe you cut down and try to, you know, uh, uh, drive some runners in with a single, but <clears throat> if it's if Acuna's on with one out or there's two on and no out, and you're the three hole hitter, go up there and try to hit a fucking home run every time. Dude. Yeah, because you've got Matt Olson and Sean Murphy behind you yep. to clean up that mess. That's the beauty of being the three hole. That's why you usually put your best hitter in that spot. Yeah. right? Is because there's so much leverage in that in that spot. So he's he yeah he needs to be aggressive. Which is, you know, it seems like he is now. So we'll see how if it continues or not. That's what we're hoping for. And I mean, look, I get, I do certainly get the uh, wanting to be patient if you're leading off an inning, right? You know, start a rally, that type of thing. Be more selective. Mm. Don't make a quick out. Um, letting kind of let the pitcher off a hook, give him a free out. But yeah, you know, in the typical situations he's up in, that's not the case yeah and yeah fucking attack baby i mean i also wonder how much he's come up to the plate with um acuna still on first and acuna stealing maybe that that has something to do with it but do you not remember i texted this to you uh watching a game the other day that austin riley has almost 30 rbi with runners in scoring position this year and this was like a week ago with runners in scoring position this year and he was hitting 167 which with runners in scoring position, That's which means wild. there's a dude on second base every fucking time he's at the plate. Yeah, I mean you just got to be aggressive. Yeah, I, I there's nothing really else to say about like it. Like how many RBIs would he have if he was hitting two fifty or something? Fucking fifty? <laughs> like, well, like we can look. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Let's see how many at bats. So he's got. 377 total at-bats and 93 of them with runners in scoring position. Okay. That's a pretty good percentage. And 170 with runners on, so <clears throat> getting close to getting close to half of his at-bats, there's runners on base. So he's, he's raised his average to 204, but yeah, he's got 93 at Let's put it a better way. 118 plate appearances, right? Mm. And he's got 36 
RBI. So one in three times he is uh he has driven the run home basically. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sorry, 118 plate appearances just with men in scoring position. He's only got fuck, I gotta go back to the main thing. He's only got goddamn four hundred Twenty plate appearances this year. Not only he's played every game, but like so, basically one out of every four times he comes to the plate, there's a man in scoring position. That yeah. seems like a lot. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's we've got pretty good one and two hitters, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, he's his isolated power and his total power even is better with runners on as well. Um, walk rate is a little higher as well. He he seems to be better. Average wise with runners on, but then, or I'm sorry, with, with nobody on, but with runners on, his OPS jacks up pretty, pretty high. So that's a good sign. I mean, again, yeah, you, he's definitely improving because he's brought his average up, what, fucking 10 or 15 points with runners in scoring position over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, it's all for him, it's always an approach thing. I don't think he's ever made any real mechanical adjustments to a swing or anything like that. No, um, no, the swing looks the same and still yeah. looks good. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm thinking he's back. Yeah, I'm thinking he's all the way back. But uh, that's all I got for today. Yep. See you fuckers later.